everybody. Are you ready to begin Iowa City's uh, Iowa City City Council's work session for Tuesday, November the 19th, 2019? The first topic is, is to determine funding source for the $25,000 Houses into Homes contribution. So I'd like to say just a little bit about this before we uh, continue our discussion. Seems to me we can't really focus on the sources of funding for houses and homes until we firmly decide whether we want to stick with last meeting's decision. I think, um, well, I'll speak for myself. I've been involved in numerous discussions about the topic over the past two weeks. Uh, those discussions have influenced my thinking. Uh, and I, I, th I know that many of you have been involved in other discussions as well. So I think the first thing we need to do is decide whether we want to stick with the, our decision from two weeks ago. Beyond that, let me say just a few things. Uh, the, the, I'm going to say something about houses into homes, and I'm going to say something about uh, um, my own decision from two weeks ago. And then uh, maybe some, say something else. But anyhow, I greatly admire the good work that Lucy Barker, Selena McCarty, and other volunteers in Houses into Homes have been doing over the past two years. They saw an important community need that was not being met adequately and then created an organization which has been responding to that need. Moreover, they presented us with a compelling argument about why we should help them by providing $25,000 in one-time funding. Why, one might ask, did they not apply for funding through the standard aid to agencies process? It's my understanding they did not apply for such funding this year because as a new volunteer organization, they did not even know about it until it was too late to apply. I want to honor their voluntary efforts and take that into account as I make my own personal decision about this tonight. And yet in retrospect, I think my own decision on November the 4th to, to provide that funding was based on insufficient information and inadequate consultation with other interested parties, especially major service providers. I meant no disrespect to any of those agencies, all of which are doing vital work for our community's well-being. Uh, I, I deeply respect every single one of them and the individuals involved in them. And as a result of various conversations I've been part of, I now have a much better understanding of their perspective toward our Houses Into Homes funding decision two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, uh, no, not two weeks ago, early this morning, I was pretty clear about what I was going to do during this meeting. I was going to recommend that we temporarily defer action on the requested funding and direct the staff to invite relevant organizations to participate in an interagency task force, which would explore ways in which the affected organizations could better coordinate the delivery of furniture to people in need. Uh, but that was early this morning. I've had some more conversations since then. So I'm not certain what I think. I would very much like to hear what the rest of you think and take that into account as I come to my own decision. 
But key question, do we want to stick with our prior decision? Yes. Yes. I, I think that, Mary, you bring up some uh, things that I, I admire you bringing up publicly, just to acknowledge that we, we all, um, over the past two weeks, and myself specifically, have been able to talk to various people uh, within our community that had concerns about our decision, as well as some that supported our, our decision. And so um, I have toiled. <laughs> with a lot of the things that you've mentioned. Um, one of the questions is even, you know, do we uh, form a group together, like halt it? Do we form a group together to kind of say, what do we do next? And I think there could be some valuable things to that. Um, but the one, th but there's a couple of things that I, um, that I just, that resonate with me. If we halt it, then, you know, and we're not talking, I mean, people think um, the word emergency may not be appropriate. I think, you know, the need is there, ultimately. If we halt it, I, I'm afraid that when it comes back to us, it's going to be um, potentially rushed in the decision-making process by all parties involved. Um, I, and, and I really think it's a bigger, and it's, it's really because it's a bigger thing. It's not that it's rushed because they can't come together and create a solution. I really think that the, the, what we're talking about is bigger than houses into homes. We're talking about how do council deal with an emergency request? I think that's what we're talking about. It's bigger than houses into homes. And the individuals that I've been talking to that um, would like to have that discussion. I think they already have some great ideas on um, talking about collaborating and looking at programs versus agencies and, and all that stuff. So I think the ideas are there. Um, I think there's ways to move forward, but I don't know that, you know, the time frame, it needs to be real intentional um, and allow it to really, like, come together, you know, maybe you'll want to take a, a different avenue, you know, throughout the process when the groups come together. So that's my challenge is I really believe that this is bigger than uh, houses into homes um, resolution for what the council is doing. Currently, is my understanding that we, we have two processes. Well, we have a process, and that's what you know, the, a lot of this is talking about the process. And I believe in the process, I 100%. I think there's value when we're talking about equity, um, consistency, how we vet individuals. I believe that 100%. I think is I think, um, predictable. I think we need to do that. But there's also the current process of emergency funding. And that comes to council and council listens and make a determine based on the emergency funding request. I think right now we, this is a part of that process. We don't advertise it uh, for various reasons, but it's a part of the process. So for me, I'm going to go ahead and stick with my original support. Um, I, what I would ask is that we prioritize 
and staff, I would ask really to prioritize and let us move forward with some emergency um, plans for requests like this. We want it to be predictable. We want it to have like a format. Um, and, and, and so that's what I would say. And, and if any counselors would support that, <clears throat> then we can direct the staff to really, because um, I think that's very valuable too, is in the future we really need to figure out how we will deal with emergency funding. Right now, it is council's decision to deal with emergency funding. Okay, I, you know, we heard from another, a lot of organizations who came to oppose this, uh, like either I heard from them through they meeting me or send me emails or anything, but we never heard from the people who benefit out of this. Let me tell you my story. When I came new to Iowa City, I didn't even have bed for my kids. I went, uh, somebody, like a friend of mine, she said, you know what, there's a project called Furniture Project. Go there and get some furniture. I went there, they told me that I have to have a voucher. I said, okay, where you get that voucher from? She said, if I, have, if I go to the crisis center or if I, like, the human service or whoever people that I have benefit from them, they can give me that. I went to the crisis center and they wrote me a voucher. I took the voucher, went to the furniture project, was very happy to see that I can find bed and mattress for my kids. I brought them, my kids was very happy. Even the, the way that my house looked like is even king after we had the furniture. It become look like really nice. I start like also telling people about furniture burger, whoever come to you, I will just refer them to, the, to do the same thing that it happened to me. I know a lot of people who benefit out from the furniture project. I was very sad when I heard out they closed because a lot of people start now finding furniture. The people that I've been referring and asking, I, you know, I become a source for a lot of low-income people in the community. They come to me and ask me where we can find this, where we can find that. And they came to this, and also the Center for Worker Justice member, most of them are low income, and they ask for that. We could not find furniture project no longer there. We don't know how to help people. I help people who graduated from the shelter house. How do I help them? I reach out to Sally Hartman, bless her heart. She is from the Unitarian University Society Church. She and I, I hope she was here, we were really working hard to find a furniture for the people. We're going around collecting furniture. We ask somebody if they have a truck. Sometimes even I advertise it on Facebook. If somebody have a truck, so we can just move this furniture to some people. We, we really help a lot of people. Maybe four of them, they graduated from the shelter house through the rehabilitation housing program. The shelter house maybe can give them some, but they cannot give them everything. But because maybe that's done the main work for the shelter house. I appreciate all the organization, all the good work that the organization does, but the furniture project is really important. Then people who met with me, they said, how come just those people, they can work with those organization and they don't have to have a standalone like organization or a director who are gonna do this. No, that's not true. If some people know Mazahir and some people know Sally, not a lot of people know Mazahir and not a lot of people who in need know Sally so we can give them help. That's why we need an organization just like the Furniture Project and we need an organization 
who have a person who will be responsible to reach out to those people, a person who I can refer to. I know that many volunteers said they're gonna help the, um, the house into home. So volunteer, yes, you are, at the end of the day, you are a volunteer. Sometimes you have time, sometimes you don't have time. You know, the other organization, if they wanna do this, they, they should have done it between the time that the furniture project closed and the house into home like established. I know they being doing, but maybe they have a limited capacity <coughs> to cover the whole community. That's why Sally and I and a lot volunteer, I would like to thank them. I, I don't wanna say names because I will forget some, but I really would like to thank them from here because we being doing this job. That's why I still, I understand, I believe, on the process, I understand that we have to follow like the, the you know the policy of our that we establish as a city council. But you know, things could happen. Emergency could happen if we if we think this is really something that the community need and it's value a lot of people in this community and this is our value. We have to do it. And I know process is good, but process are not keeping kids from the floor. Process are making kids sleep on the floor. That's why I think we need to do it, and we need to do it not even like those recommendations. I hope if they can fund it immediately so this problem can roll, because I know a lot of people waiting there right now. I need to benefit out for this. As long as we're gonna defer this, we are deferring that we're making kids sleep on the floor more. We're making people sleep on the floor and they don't have mattress on, on the floor even. You know, I, I guess things, deferring this kind of human things is really bad. That's why, please, I will hope we can find four more people today to approve this. And after that, we can like, make sure to talk about how we can fund it. And I will be flexible, because I always say that. Don't take anything from the affordable housing. But I will be really flexible, and uh, because I want to keep kids from sleeping on the floor and waiting a long time. OK, what do the rest of you think? Well, I've been processing the process, I guess you might say, uh, like I think all of us have. And um, you know, it's been an interesting experience for me, you know, learning as I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that uh, there was even such a need as home furnishings. This, this was a real need in the community, and how do we, how do we address it? And in, in meeting Lucy and Selena, you know, as Jim likes to say, uh, there, there's such a thing as um, persuasive storytelling, and this was, I think, a pretty good example of persuasive storytelling in terms of explaining what their organization is and how it, how it is operated and, and filled clearly what was a gap in the, um, in the social services that we provide to our community and those most in need. Uh, nevertheless, you know, we, we've certainly heard f from many people in the community that there is a concern about the process that was taken here. So uh, this morning, I was, I was sort of trying to articulate what I consider to be the, what is the goal that, that I'm trying to achieve here? And it would be ad ad advancing the work of Houses to Homes while ensuring that it is integrated into the social services network that we have. I, I do think that's important. Uh, I don't know, I, my sense is, is that there needs to be more conversation in that, in that particular area. So, so in terms of implementing that goal, what, what I would like to propose is that there, that there be a discussion 
uh, among the service providers to achieve that goal of a, making sure that it's better integrated into the existing system. And one condition I would like to have on that process would be that it would result in what we approved last time, which was one-time funding in the short term for a paid houses-to-home staff person. Um, in terms of the timeline, what I would like to suggest for that discussion would be that it would include, you know, what I understand to be some of the major players uh, in the service provider realm, houses, uh, DVIP, Shelter House, Inside Out, Houses to Home, uh, that those conversations take place over the next few weeks. Um, you know, I was looking at the calendar. Uh, we have a, a work session and a formal session on December 17th. Uh, we're going to be hearing from the state DNR in, on December 5th. So that, that's kind of, in terms of the timeline, in terms of this thing moving forward, that, that's, I, I, I'm expecting to be a, a critical variable. Will the state provide funding? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to even decide how we're going to fund this, this uh, staff person for houses to homes without having an under, a full understanding of what the funding sources will be and at what amount. So that would be my suggestion that we defer. I, I'm still committed to the, to the staff person, uh, but I would like to, in a sense, formalize that, that um, decision uh, on December 17th. I think the, the, what might happen at, uh, during that conversation could influence the, the outcome. Um, not, not in any meaningful way in terms of, I think, what our intent was or this question of the funding of the staff person for houses to homes. But Can you it, just say exactly what you mean by, uh, like, this conversation between who I, I really miss that? What? So a conversation among some of the critical players that, with respect to the home furnishings piece of uh, providing services. What that means also. So, so that... The home furnishings. This no, I, I mean like... The organizations. Yeah. The organizations. So shelter The house. organization who do the same thing, that's what you're saying? Well, there's, there, my understanding is there's a certain amount of overlap. You can know. you tell me, like, can you really be obvious with the organization yeah. that provide furniture? Well, I just mentioned them. So shelter yeah. house, DVIP. The, the shelter house, the, I don't want to interrupt you really, but I just, you know, if you hear from people, also hear from people who really was working right. with people through the shelter okay. house. Well, this is, uh, I'm, I'm proposing who I would suggest. Yeah. If, if there is a better group of agencies, so be it. But that those who, whose mission is not central to yes. providing the home furnishings, but ancillary to providing those home furnishings, part participate in a conversation with Houses to Homes over the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, with, with the goal of trying to make sure that there is integration of the, of the services of houses to homes into the system, the larger network of services that are offered. And again, with the condition that, that I'm, sti I'm still in support of funding the position, but I would like there to be more conversation among the agencies that are again ancillary have have served an ancillary role with respect of to providing course, yeah. furnishings. Mm -hmm. So John, if I could just clarify your position then. So yes, twenty five thousand 
yes, houses into homes. You do want a conversation. Yeah. If the conversation is goes well, that's great. If it doesn't go well, let's say there's disagreement, you would still support. Yeah, I, I still you would still support, support twenty five thousand. Your only point of disagreement with Bruce and Maz is they seem to want to do it now, right. and you want that yes decision to be December seventeenth. Correct. And, and and one last thing I would want to say is that the the December seventeenth date which is roughly a month away, mm -hmm. uh, provides an opportunity uh, to, to, in a sense, I would hope, take advantage of the fact that one, one aspect of this coming to council rather than through the normal channels is it has really shown a light on this issue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, when, it, when it goes through the normal channels, it's, it goes through kind of a bureaucratic process and it's not as visible. Uh, this has become highly visible. Uh, so, so what I would hope could, could take place in the month between now and December 17th is that there be uh, an effort to, to try to leverage that spotlight and see to what degree the community um, can help support Houses to Homes and other service agencies, but certainly Houses to Homes is, has been a focus of this, uh, in, in their goal of raising funds to house or to provide a paid staff person as a part of their operation. So, so it, let me inject one thing, Rockney, uh, not to disagree or support. I, uh, when I mentioned uh, the possibility of an interagency task force, that's pretty much what I had in mind. You're, you're just putting it in, in less formal kind of language. And the entities that I had in mind, I think, are the same ones you were thinking of DVIP, Shelter House. Houses into Homes, Inside Out Reentry, and Habitat for Humanity. I understand they all somehow, in one way or another, for some populations, are involved in delivery of furniture. So, yeah, I think we really do want to get some kind of much better coordination. Of course, yeah. yeah. So, uh, at least in terms of expressing my own views, the only point that I'd want to clarify between the mayor and John is you seem to be referring to a meeting. When I think of a task force, at least how I process it, I see an ongoing series of meetings over the course of several months. And I certainly don't have any objection. I think that may be a salutary development of this, that there is some sort of task force moving forward. But I don't want to condition receipt of funding on the task force. I would join you in encouraging them to get together um, and talk, but I'm not conditioning my support for it on talking, although I think it would be a good idea. Um, my own view on this is I think that um, really it's, it's, it, we're an imperfect council trying to address a very difficult issue that's facing our community, which not only is homelessness, but the related issues to homelessness. It is a very complicated question, and there are no simple answers to this. To Bruce's point, I think in terms of this imperfect process, yes, it is less than ideal that we're um, not going through the traditional process. And I think we could, hopefully one of the things the next council will look at is how can we improve um, the process is if there are requests that come in throughout the year, do we say no? wait until next year. One concern I do have with the, 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 uh, the existing funding mechanism for the nonprofits is I understand that's a very highly technical um, scoring process set, for by, uh, set forth by HUD is my understanding, correct? There's a very, in terms of what's emergency, what's intermediate, what's not so important. 
That's, and not, by, that's not by HUD. That's by our own. Okay, it's by, by our own staff. CDC. Okay, we, we've yeah. had our, our our factors that we've used. Yeah. But I think in terms of that particular process, I think that leaves some good nonprofits that are left out of that uh, process. So um, I think in this particular context, it is something that is a need. I think it's something we need to address. I'm supporting it, and I think in terms of. What I really want to encourage, at least in terms of my own term on council, is how do we encourage new voices, new nonprofits to enter the field without duplication? And I think that's the issue. Um, we all have different approaches in terms of effective, different views of leadership. Some of us prefer more vertical structures in terms of having the traditional structures and everything funneled through that. My own preference is I prefer more horizontal structures um, in terms of more of a collaborative approach. I know there's been some concerns that some of the people that have spoken out on behalf of houses and the homes are not the executives, um, but are some of the uh, staff members that are not executives. At least for me, that doesn't matter. Um, I don't care if it's a part-time employee. I think their voices are just as important as the executive in terms of what their views are. Obviously, they can't speak on behalf of the organization, and each entity has to have their own process in terms of how they do that. Um, but I think this is a real critical issue. And my only concern in terms of the traditional funding mechanism is I, my concern is, is that if we have a dynamic nonprofit like this, what if they can't get through that first year? Um, and how do we ensure that they, that they have adequate funding when they've established a proven track record to address this critical need? I think our legacy organizations have done a great job, um, but they do have a huge advantage in terms of the year to year, how to know um, in terms of the funding process. Um, so I, I think for this particular case, I do want to support this. I'm supporting it without condition. Um, so. Certainly, uh, might be a little bit different there, but I encourage the voluntary discussion as far as that goes. In terms of precedent, too, I would bring up that we did last spring give 10,000 to um, a shelter house, and there was no controversy surrounding that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a good thing. I, I love yes. shelter house, but it did not generate the, the emotional response that this particular one has. And why that is, exactly. I guess people will probably come up and explain that to us um, during our public comments. So I'm saying yes to immediate funding without stipulation. Mm -hmm. but, but you would also be willing to do what John has suggested. To encourage voluntary, I think that is a very good idea that I would like to see them doing, but I'm not conditioning receipt of funding on that. Mm -hmm. Okay, what about the rest of you? I've been really torn on this um, since our last meeting. I, I think, um, as I think back on it, I think that uh, our votes that time uh, were kind of an emotional response to a very compelling story given by Houses into Homes with their mission and what they've accomplished and what they're doing and what their needs are. Um, and we certainly, with that vote, didn't mean any disrespect to other agencies. Uh, we've said all along, we've always mentioned that Iowa City's blessed with some very great nonprofit organizations that do some very wonderful work. Um, and, and we need to continue that uh, sort of effort uh, in the community. Um, Maz, you mentioned that other organizations maybe have a limited capacity to, to help out the entire community. And from what I've heard, but now I'm not sure exactly uh, how many organizations actually are providing furniture or when they have or what their process is. Uh, and I, I think that if there are others, then it would be an excellent idea to share the resources, say the storage uh, of, of the furniture and those kinds of things, since that would mean um, 
having these groups get together and, and work together, um, cooperation and collaboration can go a long ways. And I, so I think that would be very important. I, so I, I do agree with John that uh, perhaps delay it till the December 17th meeting, which would give uh, the DNR vote time to come through, because if, if indeed they can get $10,000 from the DNR for the mattress uh, recycling, uh, that certainly is a big step in the right direction and, and would cut the amounts down. So I think giving them also the opportunity to, to seek other funds. That would be my decision. Okay. There's been a number of, I guess, interesting phrases that that have been used, and um, my position hasn't changed since our last meeting. Um, persuasive storytelling, emotional response. Um, process, emergency requests. And when I think about all those, um, it, it doesn't add up to, to going outside of our established process. Um, one of the memos, letters we got, and, and I don't remember who it's from, and I'm not going to look, talked about the, um, the extensive evaluation that happens through the aid to agencies process, uh, whether it's emerging agencies or legacy agencies. And I think that's really, I think that's really important. I think that's important so that it's fair to everybody who's applying. They're evaluated the same way um, against the same criteria. There's conversations that go on throughout the year. Um, so that everybody is, is operating under the same set of rules. Um, I have a, and I didn't start, and I should have, and I, I do applaud houses into homes for the work they're doing. I, I do not in any way mean to dismiss that. I think it's important. Um, it's critical work, and, and again, we do have other agencies doing some of it, maybe not as much as they are. But when we, when we get outside of that process, I think we end up making emotional decisions, as Pauline talked about. It's an emotional response. Um, we, we end up being, um, we end up responding to um, the persuasive storytelling, which is persuasive. It is a strong story. It is a great need. It, it is incredibly important. But the point I would reiterate that I made last time is I believe that we have a lot of other agencies in this community, if they so chose, could come up and make just as strong a plea of persuasive storytelling for their particular uh, provision of services within this community. And if we allow that kind of one-off one thing to happen, then we have no process at all, no process at all. I, I mentioned as I started some of the terminology and one of them was emergency funding. I do not perceive hiring a full-time executive director as emergency funding. Um, if, if they had come and said, oh, we don't have gasoline for vehicles, we don't have rental space, I would be much more inclined to say, okay, let's, let's take a look at how we can do that one-time help. But when you're taking something from volunteer to now paid staff, to me that's not an emergency. It's a whole change and shift of the way an organization um, is being run. 
And I, I go back to what I said two weeks ago. I think out of fairness, uh, transparency to all the agencies in this community that are doing incredibly good and important work, that this, this is not the direction that we should go. Um, I think we have a lot of people here in the audience tonight that are prepared to speak to this, probably at the formal meeting. And if nothing else, I would encourage us to delay any action on this till we actually hear from all of them. But as it stands now, I can't, I can't support this. Okay, I guess I want to ask you one question. Your position now, as Rockney repeated many times, you are not ob objection. You don't have any objection for the hiring the staff, and you agree to the 25. The only thing is, you want to see like be, the organization that do like some kind of uh, even like some of the organization that you mentioned. I I don't know how much they are doing on this. There are few of them. I can say the shelter house because I've been seeing them doing some kind of this. But for the habitat, the restore, I guess they sell the stuff. Maybe they give the, you know, the, the, they used to give the furniture project some mattresses and they give the same thing now to the housing to the home. You know, some of those organizations, uh, I, I feel like the they don't provide a lot, but they do somehow, like from now and then, it's okay. But if you are really, uh, and Rockney also asked you a question, no matter what the outcome from that meeting, if they disagree or if they agree, we still gonna, like we, you saying this. Right. Then my really proposal is, I really would like all those people who are doing something to work together. Even when I told you that you know Sally is doing something from her church, she can also come and work with us, so we can have more like cooperate. I, I don't mind that, and I will encourage even if after they being funded, I really encourage them to work with another organization in the community who are doing the same thing. No doubt. But if that's the case, why we don't, since we, you are our forward, why we don't just approve it and ask come to meet and work with those organizations? Well, as I said, I, I think, I, and perhaps I didn't mention this, this aspect of the, this month period as well. Uh, so it would provide an opportunity for there to be conversations, a discussion among those groups who have a, a, some interest in, in this issue. Uh, we, it would give time to, for the information regarding our, our funding sources to become clearer. Uh, it would also provide an opportunity to leverage this moment and see if we can't fundraise from it, uh, which could affect the amount that we're talking about. And then lastly, I would say, it, you know, a lot, of, a lot has happened just in the last two weeks. And, and I haven't heard back from Houses to Homes in terms of, you know, their proposal. Are they, have they given any second consideration to that amount that they're requesting. Maybe they, maybe they have and they're still fixed on 25,000. I, I just don't know. But I, I think it gives Houses to Home an, an opportunity to, to really critically evaluate their proposal in, in, in terms of not only the proposal itself, but how the, all these other factors might come into play. 
I don't, I think I don't want to defend the housing to home, but I think they did not reach out to us because last time we agree and we well. given, even give a city manager, you know, saying that, yeah, you can just go ahead and do it. That's why maybe they think that's a done deal. They never thought that we're going to change our mind later if another organization just come up and say, you know, you cannot do that. And that's why I guess they didn't reach out to us, but now maybe after you said this, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just feel like if you are going to do it anyway, you said it doesn't matter what the outcome, that's why I was encouraging you to do it now and ask them to go and meet with those organizations and work with them. Yeah, I, I do feel the, that a month of time to, to sort of look at all the variables and aspects of this um, would be really helpful for all concerned. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I, I'm... I'm sort of remembering to some degree, in some ways, you know, the, the Pedmall benches, you know, was sort of a, another example of where there was, the, the council got pulled into the process and, um, you know, it was, a, it was a sausage making exercise. It was, you know, had, had some real problems with it. But I think for me, the outcome, I really felt the outcome was beneficial. It will. So, so I, I just would like to see a little bit more process associated with this thing. So I want to mention a couple of things. Uh, first, I had a conversation with Lucy Barker earlier today on the phone. I think Lucy's in the room. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, Lucy? Yeah. Okay. And, and that's Serena? No, just you? Yeah, both of you. So if we wanted to, we could invite Lucy and, and or Serena to respond to any questions we might have. Uh, My only response to that, Jim, is I think we have a lot of people here who would want to have input as well, and I think if you're going to ask them to, then I think anybody else should have an opportunity to speak, and that's not the way we're set up for the work session, so I would discourage that. Well, I understand the point, uh, so I'm not pushing it. Uh, just I was aware that, that Lucy and Serena were out there. Uh, another thing I'm wondering about is if with regard to a possible meeting or meeting or two after um, we approve the funding, if in fact that's what happens tonight, I would suggest that we ask the staff to convene that meeting rather than rely upon some one person in any one of five agencies to convene it. Does that, would that be a reasonable thing? We can certainly convene the meeting. I'd, I'd want some clarity from you on what exactly you want our role to be. Are we facilitating? Are we mediating? Are we just calling the meeting and observing and reporting back to you? Yeah. Okay. Well, Fair enough. Right. Uh, so uh, well, I have definitely heard, correct me if I'm wrong, I've heard support for continuing the 25000 in funding. Susan has raised a reasonable objection that it might be better to hear from other people before we confirm that decision. But I don't think, tell me if I'm wrong, I don't sense that you would like to do that. What I will say is I have spoken to many of the organizations um, at length. So um, I, it may be a, a little bit of a, um, at least for me personally, it's not ringing true that I've not had in-depth conversation with them. Even some of the change in ideas, change in thoughts, and all that other stuff. So I guess for me, I have had lots of conversations from people that support and don't support the de my decision. 
I too have had two long conversations with uh, a person I respect enormously, mm -hmm. who is very well connected to each of the agencies. We have been discussing the agency's reactions to what we did two weeks ago. That's had a big influence on me, uh, and we processed that pretty thoroughly. I'm hoping that that person had a chance to speak to the, the heads of houses and homes earlier this afternoon. I don't know for sure that that happened, but I was trying to make sure it happened. Uh, so, boy, I, I, I think I, we got to go with what, what I've been hearing. So, uh, I would just make one last comment. Just, this follows up on other people in terms of talking about doing things outside the aid to agencies that we should make, be able to make decisions on, um, decisions on emergency requests. I think it behooves us to try at some point to define what really is an emergency. I I'd agree think, with that 100%. I, I don't think hiring a brand new staff member is an emergency personally. So I think we need to define what, or try at least try to narrow down what really is an emergency that we would consider outside the aid to agencies funding. And secondly, I would just note that today I went on the website and just to give you an idea, and, and there may be some duplicates in this, I didn't have a chance to really rein in on it, but on the IRS website there are 735 nonprofits with tax ID numbers registered in Iowa City. 735 nonprofits on the IRS website with tax ID numbers. They're not all doing social work type stuff, but still, some of them are the Greek system, et cetera, but still, that's, that's a lot of nonprofits. I also think, and I don't know what our policy is in terms of giving money to orga organizations that are not established nonprofits in terms of a tax ID number, approval by IRS, et cetera. And I think that is something that should be a discussion at some point as well. Maybe that's something we could count on Jeff and staff following up on. Uh, so, try to keep things straight in my head here. One recommendation came from Bruce about having to do with looking ahead and trying to get recommendations from the staff about uh, how we should respond, we as a council should respond when we believe there's an emergency requiring a response, you know, so, uh, and and then, uh, Susan, I guess you just made a, a comment related to that having to do with defining what an emergency is. Uh, so, and I just raised this point with you, Jeff, about uh, the meeting that could be set up. So with regard to the recommendation about looking ahead with, uh, with regard to emergencies, I think we would ask you and staff to recommend <clears throat> how um, we might respond to situations when we believe there's an emergency requiring a response from the council that kind of falls outside of normal procedures. I, I don't know if that's possible for you to do, frankly, but, but uh, I, 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 try to take a shot at it. I think that's what we're asking you to do. Yeah, great. Understood. Yeah. Uh, and with regard to the meeting, uh, my sense is that th the key thing is to invite representatives of five agencies that I, I mentioned earlier, invite them to come together and talk about what each of them is doing with regard to delivering furniture and what, 
what constraints they face, what target audience um, populations they have in mind with regard to delivering furniture, and trying to hear themselves say, identify where the gaps are, and hence where uh, houses into homes could play the most effective role within that network of five agencies. That's what I'm hearing. All right. So if uh, staff could convene a meeting of that type, I think it would be very helpful. Yes, we can do that. Uh, so I, I guess by saying that, I'm allowing myself with John's recommendation about saying, yeah, I'm on board with 25,000, but let's wait to the December 17th before uh, affirming that, because we want to learn about the DNR's decision and we'd like to have that meeting occur, or at least one meeting, maybe a couple meetings occur. Do we have okay. four for that? Uh, well, uh, one, two, three. Okay. Four. For, for, the, for the agreeing to 25,000, but we want to defer a formal decision to the 17th. Yeah. Uh, if we don't have four for doing it now, yeah. we will go with you for like, yeah, agreeing, but sure. defer it to okay. the next meeting, yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anything else on this topic? Yes, there is something else we need to discuss. The main topic, <laughs> uh, which has to do with the sources of funding. Uh, Jeff, uh, you presented us with a memo identifying, I think, six different possible sources of funding. Maybe it was could, five, maybe it was seven, I don't know. Could I make one sure. recommendation yep. that we not identify that tonight and we wait till the 17th? I think so, yeah. That's fine with me. That's fine with me. Yeah. Okay, fine, good. Fine with me, too. Good deal. Okay. All right, so we'll defer that part to the 17th. All right. Okay. I think that means we can move on to our next topic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And our next topic is to review the city manager's office 100-day report accelerating Iowa City's climate actions. Ashley, are you going to do this, or is Jeff, or? I'm actually going to do it and then uh, rely heavily on Ashley and Brenda to answer all questions that you, <laughs> that, that you uh, have for us. Um, so uh, we didn't create a, a PowerPoint uh, uh, for you tonight. We have the report on the screen, and what I thought I would do is just at a very high level just walk you through the, the various contents. Um, ultimately, there's 64 actions in here. We're not going to go through all 64 tonight, um, but uh, I'll try to give you a high-level uh, overview of how the report is structured and, and some of the themes and the recommendations. So on August 6th, the council declared a climate crisis and uh, up also updated our carbon emission reduction targets to 40% by 2030 and net zero by 2050. Uh, these targets matched the recommendations from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC. And as part of that August 6th declaration, you asked staff to produce this report, the 100-day report as it's been termed, uh, to effectively outline how, how, how we can respond and accelerate action to achieve those new targets. Just like to thank uh, a number of folks on staff helped um, create the content that's in this report, but, but two really did the heavy lifting, and that is Ashley and, and Brenda Nations. Uh, so really want to thank them for, for their efforts. So when walking through the uh, report, um, we start with just a, a 
again, high-level overview of our greenhouse gas emissions. It's important to understand your, where your emissions are coming from uh, when you're crafting those strategies. So I'll give you uh, just a couple of uh, points on this. Um, uh, one thing I want uh, we to, we've gotten a lot of questions on whether we factor in population growth when we do uh, our emissions reductions, and the answer is yes, we do. In this report, uh, we note that um, our emissions per capita has dropped from 20.3 metric tons to 13.4 metric tons since 2010. So we're, we're making uh, good progress despite, um, as, as, what, as you all know, a growing population here in Iowa City. So this report, and I realize these, these charts are, are hard to see. If you, if you have your, your PDF open, you can uh, see them a little easier. Um, but we'll, we'll look at our emissions first by sector, so who's using uh, the, um, uh, uh, the energy. And 27% comes from our industrial sector, uh, compared to 22 in residential and 20 in the commercial setting. So an important takeaway, and this will be reflected in our actions, we obviously have a small number of industrial users and industrial properties in Iowa City compared to our residential, but it's important to note that those industrial properties, while smaller in number, have actually more, uh, create more emissions. And so we have some actions specifically targeted towards that industrial sector. Uh, the uh, UI power plant and the uh, transportation sector combine for about 30% or 29%, and then the waste sector combines uh, is, is about 2% of those emissions. We can also look at our emissions by source. So um, this would be electricity, natural gas, coal, um, and by far and away, the uh, most emissions are created by electricity, which is 46%. Uh, natural gas follows at 29% and coal is about 7% um, from that mix. Again, important to, to think about that when crafting actions. We know that MidAmerican is investing heavily in converting their electric uh, supply to renewable. Uh, thus, we need to take that into account when crafting, uh, crafting our actions. Key stakeholder initiatives, we just in a page, page and a half, tried to summarize um, what uh, some of our key stakeholders are doing. I think the importance of this section is acknowledging that the Iowa City government can't achieve our targets alone. Uh, this is not like a parks plan or a bike plan where we can develop a checklist and fund it every year and start checking them off. Um, we really uh, have to have strong partnerships with these key stakeholders, but also the entire community. And so we have to attack, our actions have to be a little bit different. We're much more focused on community education incentives uh, than we might be with some of the, the, the typical plans that you're used to seeing from, from your city government. We summarized the climate action and adaptation plan here in just this one chart. Um, I think what's uh, important to note here is this 100-day report is not a new plan. Uh, it's simply, it, it simply tries to uh, put some more detailed actions behind the framework that the plan created. Uh, we still feel very strongly that we have a good plan that will serve us well, uh, but hopefully this report provides some of those detailed steps that uh, some feel we're missing from that, from that plan. There are five categories in our climate action and adaptation plan. You can see those up there, building, transportation, waste, adaptation, and sustainable lifestyle. Uh, this report is organized in the same fashion, so all those actions will fall under those five categories. And that's when we get into uh, kind of the meat of the report here. 
Uh, we go through each of those five categories and outline uh, a number of actions within each. Uh, the actions are all color-coded. The colors simply give you some sense of when we think we can initiate them. So any action you see in green, we feel like it's either already started or there's a good chance we could get started on that initiative. Not necessarily complete it, but get started uh, in this next calendar year. And then blue and orange signify a longer period of time before those actions can be carried out. So we'll start in the buildings category. And with each, each of those main five categories, there's also some, some subtopic areas. Uh, so the first one here is education. Now, uh, buildings, is, uh, uh, buildings is critically important. They, uh, buildings uh, produce about 82% of our carbon emissions. So uh, it's not surprising that 23 of the 64 actions we've identified fall under the buildings category. We're going to have to be very focused uh, on how we're uh, working with our property owners and our, and our building owners in the community. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the 23 activities, but a few takeaways. There's no way that we can regulate our way to the, um, uh, to the targets that, that you've set. Uh, we don't have, as you know, as we've gone through extensively this year, we don't have local control over our energy codes. So we can't regulate our way there. There's some things we can do, but we're going to have to rely more on education and incentives and those types of things uh, than maybe some other communities do that you read about across the country. Uh, we do have opportunities, though, when we, when we have things such as tax increment financing, when we have height bonuses, when we have those other um, kind of incentives are embedded into our zoning code or into some other city policies. Uh, we need to be asking ourselves if we're leveraging those well enough, uh, and, and certainly our report indicates that we should revisit TIF policies and height bonus policies and, and strengthen those uh, with respect to uh, climate action. Uh, a number of incentives. This page lists all the incentives, and then there's uh, actually three more on the following page. So there's 10 different incentive programs that we've outlined here. Again, not all uh, to start uh, from day one, um, but we feel like this is going to be a, a critically important part of the strategy and, frankly, an expensive part of our strategy. But we have to work with buildings, and again, we can't regulate uh, our way to the, the, the levels that we need to. Uh, so included in, in this would be things like an industrial sector TIF, uh, which we plan to launch next year with, with your blessing, of course, with, of this report, um, and really work with those heavy industrial users to try to cut their energy consumption down and convert as much of their energy to um, electric as, as possible. Uh, we also outlined some plans in the future, some hopes uh, for some net zero rehabs and construction programs. Um, building permit rebates and electrification incentives as well. A final project uh, that we'd like to highlight here um, is uh, um, the uh, proposed partnership with MidAmerican that uh, we're working on. There's a, a text amendment that the Planning and Zoning Commission recently uh, considered to allow uh, private uh, um, utilities in a public zone. You're going to be considering that as well. Um, that's really um, the first step in exploring this partnership with MIDAM, where they uh, could build a large utility-scale solar development at our uh, Water Prairie Park um, property. Uh, that will come to you if, indeed, uh, it does work for both the city and MidAmerican. Uh, we would come forward with you, but that's an encouraging project that could produce enough uh, solar energy to, to power, provide electrical power for about 500 homes uh, annually, uh, which is uh, really exciting. 
Um, moving on, I'm going to skip through to the transportation sector. Uh, this this one uh, is really all about getting people out of those out of vehicles and onto public transit, onto bicycles, walking. Uh, so it's very heavy on uh, executing our public transit study, which is underway. Of course, we don't know what recommendations will come, but we know the goal that you set, which was to double ridership by 2028. So we know that there's going to be some um, pretty powerful recommendations uh, in order to, to help us get there. And it's going to be there's going to be some tough decisions for the city council to make when it comes to funding those service enhancements with transit. But that's a that's a large piece of it. Clearly, you all have um, uh, stepped up your work to provide better bike infrastructure in the community. You can see that uh, in all parts of our community, and that's going to have to continue to again pull people out of those single family or out of those single occupancy cars uh, and into different modes of uh, transportation. And the last piece uh, that we'll highlight on this is uh, our electric uh, vehicle infrastructure and our own municipal fleet. We know that uh, people are still going to be reliant on their vehicles, so how can we make those trips as efficient as possible when it comes to energy consumption? And we certainly feel like we need to uh, do some more work uh, preparing the community for electric vehicles and getting our own fleet uh, converted at a quicker rate than we have. So we move on to the waste sector. Uh, there are seven section, seven actions in this section. Um, now, waste, is, as I mentioned before, only accounts for about 2% of the emissions, but nonetheless, it's, it's important. And uh, uh, because of the efforts of um, folks on staff uh, like Jen Jordan and Patricia Fossum, Jane Wilch at our landfill, and uh, refuse operations, we actually expect our trash tonnage at the landfill to go down uh, this year in 2019, which is pretty amazing given the community growth that we've had. Uh, but that speaks to the success of the changes that they've implemented with our curbside recycling program and our curbside composting program and yard waste programs. We're seeing just great uh, numbers that have exceeded our expectations um, in the number of recyclables and, and yard waste and compost, and now we're seeing the impact on the trash side as well, with less trash coming into the landfill. So we got to just quantify that. I hate to interrupt. Could you just quantify it? Because that's just like great news. Like, I just um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we that. can certainly okay. put those out in an information packet and interrupt. let you know where we're going. That's um, very good news. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really kudos to them for um, executing uh, on those program enhancements. But we'll get, you, we'll get you those numbers. Uh, so we need to continue on that. We need to continue to, to, to emphasize that to the community. And that's why you see a couple of education um, uh, items here. So we still find that, even though these, these programs have been out for a little while, we still have a lot of people that aren't composting and, and using that yard waste service. The more we can encourage people to do that, ultimately, um, the, the, the more emissions that we can reduce. And then on the city side, 50% of the, the emissions that we have direct control over as a city government organization come from the methane that's released at the landfill and at our wastewater plant. 50% of our total organization's emissions. So that's a really critical piece for us to solve. And I'd say within the next probably 30 to 60 days, you'll have a consultant contract that we'll ask you to consider. That'll be the first step of figuring out that, that piece of the puzzle for us. How can we better utilize that methane as opposed to the flaring it? Um, uh, which we currently do. On the adaptation side, there's 13 actions in this section, uh, with the majority falling in the education uh, section here. Um, but this is where uh, we really highlight the importance of trees, and it's something that this council has talked about quite a bit. Um, but there are uh, programs in here 
uh, to um, uh, incentivize more tree planting on private property for the city to tr uh, plant more trees and then there's also some regulation here this is one area where we do have some regulatory authority uh, through our landscaping standards our parking lot um, uh, uh, standards we can actually require uh, more trees so those are all things that we identify that that we need to look at uh, going forward the last section is sustainable lifestyle. There's nine sections in this in this one. Uh, again, very heavy on educational events. Like uh, an example would be the climate forum that we're going to have this Thursday uh, at uh, at Big Grove in the evening. More of those types of events to to bring awareness uh, to uh, really individuals and businesses on how they can contribute uh, to the um, uh, to the city's efforts here and how you know how can we bring them in and support their efforts to do what they do. Um, in their places of residence or, or businesses. That's, a, again, a really quick kind of run through just broadly those, those 64 actions. Um, we we want to remind folks that equity is a huge part of this. There was a lot of uh, talk about equity during the planning uh, phase of the Climate Action Plan. The Climate Action Commission is, is really focused on equity. And as we move forward to implementation on these 64 items, just know that that's a, a major part of our focus as well. The last couple things I'll talk about and that are mentioned in the report are um, the roles and responsibilities. Uh, it goes without saying it's going to take continued leadership from, from the city council. Uh, you're you're going to have to make some tough decisions and you're going to have to champion this at every, every chance you get to, to meet these targets. Uh, but I really want to focus on what our staffing recommendations are uh, with, uh, in this report. Um, you've probably heard me to say this before. Some an effort like this uh, is is requires kind of a, a culture shift for an organization. We have to have all of our operating departments thinking climate action. Uh, with every purchase that they're making, with every project that they're designing, every new initiative they're rolling out, they need to be thinking about that, and that's that's occurring, that's happening. I think uh, we're successfully going down the right path on that, but it's going to take some time to get get that at the at the forethought of every decision that we're making. That said, we do I believe we need a staff team that can work on climate action across all departments and just make sure that uh, we continue to, to push that. So I'm recommending the creation of a climate action and outreach division in the city manager's office. Uh, we have several divisions in the city manager's office already from human rights to human resources, communications, economic development. So this would be another division and I'm proposing that we staff it with three uh, positions. Uh, two existing positions. Uh, one would be Brenda Nation's position. She's currently our sustainability corner coordinator in neighborhood and development services. Um, we also would take a public works position and uh, bring that into the fold. And then uh, we we have, as, as you know, an unfunded position in facilities management that was going to be kind of an energy analyst, uh, assistant facilities director. We'd like to retool that and repropose that as a more of an outreach uh, and engagement person in the in the uh, city manager's office uh, here so we would have um, and these are you know there's some high level bullet points on what the responsibilities of each of these positions would do um, we'll obviously have to develop full job descriptions and and more fully uh, kind of detail this out before we move forward but we're looking at a climate action coordinator which which is 
you know what Brenda's doing now uh, with a little bit different uh, different focus certainly focused on 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 this report and the climate action plan engaging with the Commission uh, but we'd also have a, a climate action engagement specialist so this is that external person that's really looking at building those relationships hosting community events making sure the conversation continues in the community in various circles and then we'd have uh, some type of climate action analyst that's going to be more data focused uh, going to help run incentive programs going to be looking at the equity piece uh, going to do a lot of the data collection uh, that currently uh, is done uh, by brenda and a team of, of interns uh, uh, and then you know everybody's going to be pitching in on the outreach piece so this three-person staff team, we, we really think can can elevate uh, the not only the, the amount of work they're doing, but the, that we're doing as a city, but the quality of work that we're doing, and will also be a great resource for other departments to tap into as they're thinking about how climate action impacts their uh, daily operations. Public funding, uh, we, we, you know that this is, you know, this isn't going to be a inexpensive endeavor. So we've outlined some options for public funding from everything from a local option sales tax, utility tax, bonding, uh, prop, emergency uh, levy on the property tax. Um, what we're recommending, and this will come to the to the council during the budget session, is that uh, we use the emergency tax levy to to fund the operations. The emergency tax levy is something that we have not used in the past as a city, uh, but that you all have the authority to, to enact. And uh, we would recommend that we use that to generate about a million dollars worth of operating revenues for this effort. Our staff positions would not, uh, would, would not be funded with this a million dollars. They'll be funded with the general fund because they're, they're already in the, uh, largely the, the general fund but this is going to fund incentive programs it's going to fund the education you know all the kind of the advertisements the outreach um, all those things need a need a funding source additional tree plantings um, we need to, to build a new funding source for that so we're recommending that um, all those things that that will be funded by the emergency levy are going to be scalable and that's, that will be by design. So meaning in the future, if we decide we need to add more revenue to, to dial those up, council can do that through another funding source. Um, likewise, if there is a, another pressing use for that emergency fund, you know, who knows what, what might come up and the future council may say, we need that emergency levy for something else. You could scale those programs back because again, they're outreach, they're additional tree planting. There's, there's nothing in there that, that, that um, is, is going to be um, tied to long-term operations like a staff position. In addition to the emergency uh, levy, uh, we'll have some different funding sources uh, that um, we'll use as well. So we outline a couple in here. So for example, uh, we'll use tax increment financing. Uh, and the example that we, we mentioned in the report is that industrial sector building incentive program. Uh, we think that there's a good use for tax increment financing there. Uh, we would like to suggest shifting our neighborhood set aside from the community development block grant uh, to a neighborhood-based climate action. So currently, we have a $75,000 set aside in the, in our uh, CDBG program, and we tend to do some park improvements with that in, in low-income neighborhoods. I'm just suggesting that we shift the focus of those funds. We'll still focus them on low-income neighborhoods, but but look at more of the climate action um, uh, uh, 
activities. So it could be street tree planting or something else uh, on public property that would uh, be more closely tied to your climate action plan. So just a couple of examples. We're not, we're, we just don't want you to think it's, it's, it's just the um, emergency levy that will fund these operations. We'll pull from other sources as, as, we, as we can, uh, but the emergency levy will certainly be the kind of the backbone funding uh, for, for the operation, again, assuming uh, your approval. One of the appeals of the emergency levy, in addition to it being scalable, is that uh, we think we can offset that uh, with, a, with a drop in the debt service levy. So our total community tax rate, um, we think we can keep the same or maybe even decrease slightly uh, because of a, drop, a projected drop in the debt service levy. Uh, so uh, I think that's a that's an appealing factor as opposed to adding a utility tax or um, using some other some other source. We wrap up the report uh, just by trying to show you and the community that through these actions, we really believe that we can get to that 2030 target. And that's really what this report focuses on. Although we have the 2050 goal, we kind of felt we got to get to 2030 first. And by the time we get to 2030, you might have two or three more versions of this report anyway. So this table at a very high level just outlines how we feel like uh, these actions can get us to um, that um, emissions target that we have for, for 2030. We did not take into account the continued investment in renewables from mid-American energy. We don't want to simply rely on their investments to get us there. It's great you know they're doing what they're doing and we we support that uh, wholeheartedly but we wanted to show the community that we can take steps to to get us to that number so ideally these steps do get us to this number and mid-american and the university and those other key stakeholders that are mentioned simply put us in a better position to get to that 2050 goal um, uh, perhaps even more quickly than uh, than we currently have set up here so with that, um, if you want a summary of the actions, uh, uh, you can go to the, the last few pages of the, uh, of the report, and you can see a summary of the 64 actions there. But I think I will stop talking and just let you ask questions, and uh, we'll do our best to answer those. I'll bet you folks have lots of comments or questions you want to bring up. Go ahead. I would just say I think this is an excellent report, and I think breaking it down into these various steps under these different categories makes it a whole lot understandable by everybody and um, the feeling of, okay, this is, this is where I can either focus my time and energy or this is, and certainly as we do the education, this is how I can contribute to this. So kudos to the format, um, content obviously, but the format I think is very, very helpful. On, on those lines, I think that the color coding too, as far as when we first talked about this and I said, well, that's a really lofty goal and you think, oh my goodness, how can we do all this by 2050? And it's kind of like when you clean your house, you just do one little corner at a time. So, you know, looking at it, the color coding, okay, this is by this date, this is by that date. So it's not so overwhelming. So kudos on that. The thing that's really impressive is that um, you're definitely going through here, but you're also considering how can this become um, impactful and in, in, in the forefront of the minds of staff and what the city does. Um, and, you know, like Susan just mentioned about the educational opportunities for those within our community, because I think that's going to be key in order to make this successful. 
And I'm also happy to hear uh, about the staff, you know, within this proposal because I'm a firm believer that if we're going to really make an impact, we're going to have to have dedicated staff that is on this. This is a lofty goal, and we want to reach it. And so in order for us to reach it, we're going to have to make some hard investment decisions as a council, and I'm, I'm happy to know that this is here. Uh, this structure is here. There's a lot of content in here. And so um, one thing that I would recommend is certainly before um, council, um, you know, kind of vote on this is that it does go uh, to the new commission that we just um, appointed. And I, there's the expectation that it, it will just go directly to the, com yes. uh, the awesome. new commission. Right? I, I think they're probably anxious to review it and weigh yeah. in as well. Yeah. <coughs> I was wondering, uh, at the moment, is there any plans to mandate composting in multifamily residential buildings as well as expanding the level of recycling that's required? No, that's not contained in the report. Yeah, I guess definitely it's very excellent reports, very long, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but it have a lot of good stuff there, and I guess uh, since we already declared the Americans of climate here, and we need to achieve our climate, in order to achieve our climate action plan, we need this like, strong report that we to follow up and just start doing it, and I think, yeah, I don't have any objection for this. Just, uh, we're gonna talk about the, the funding for emergency later, or you want us to do that now, or? It'll be later. Well, the, the, it'll be part of our budget proposal. Sure. Um, certainly, if there's an uncomfortableness with the emergency levy, it would be good to know now, so it gives us more time to retool as staff, uh, because we're pretty close to being done with the operation budget in terms of decision making. Um, so, yes, I think if, if there's an uncomfortableness with the emergency levy, let us know now, we can at least make a plan B yeah, should the should the next council you know want to make a shift but um, I just have a question like uh, do you have now do you know how much will be increased in taxes so the the emergency levy we're, we're probably looking at about um, a quarter we don't have the exact numbers it's probably mm -hmm. about a 25 cent increase um, in the um, in that emergency levy um, Due to some of the other priorities that the council has articulated in the past year, we are also likely to to bring the um, employee benefits levy back up a dime. If you remember, we reduced that a dime mm -hmm. a year ago or so, maybe yes. two years ago. Um, so we'll have to bring that back up, and that'll help us um, with some of the other initiatives that, that you set forward. And then on the debt service side, mm -hmm. you know, we have to. Our goal is to make up that 35 cents. Uh, whether we can stretch that. To, 40 cents or 45 I, I don't know yet but um, ideally I'd like to I'd like to continue to drop that tax rate but we might be doing good just to cover that 35 cents and so, you uh, think now you are you might propose decreasing of the debt service levy yes I think we're I think we're in a position you know, remember the debt service levy is you, you collect as much as you need to pay down I your know. your debts and so uh, I think we are in a position to reduce that. Otherwise, we're going to be pulling in more money than we need to repay those debts. So my thought would be, I think there's sort of two pieces as I see it. There's one is sort of under the hood, sort of the operational plan um, to implement these reductions. But I think the second part, which I think is just as important, 
is the visible manifestation of infrastructure that demonstrates our commitment to this plan. Um, so for example, one of the things I'm hoping that the next council really takes a look at is solar infrastructure on municipal buildings. Um, as many people in the audience know, and certainly the council, um, our staff conducted a, or hired a consultant to do a comprehensive review and assessment of every municipal building in the city of Iowa City. Um, and so that, that, that heavy lifting is done in terms of projected reductions and those sorts of things. So I would really like to see that visible infrastructure and I'm hoping as you guys think next, next term that you really evaluate that. The second thing in terms of the funding, I'm glad to see you were talking about the emergency level. You know, I know that we struggled with whether we were declaring a climate emergency or climate crisis. But this really does fit because if you look at what we adopted from the UN, they're talking about 12 years, which is, you know, before we have irreparable, irreversible climate catastrophe, which we're already seeing. Um, I have a good friend whose father lives in western Iowa. Her dad lived 15 miles from the Missouri River and was flooded out. So we're seeing, I mean, that's almost biblical flooding in terms of climate impact. So it is an emergency, and I think we can, with a straight face, talk to the community and say, yes, this absolutely is justified. I'm hoping also loss is looked at as a critical component of funding, because I would like to see, um, you know, it'd be expensive, but electric buses, which are extremely expensive, right? A fully electric f fleet of city municipal building, uh, vehicles. That would obviously have a high ticket. So we have to make that case to the community that we are willing to put our money where his mouth, mouth is, even if it means maybe raising some taxes. And the final piece of it is, is I did not have the opportunity to see Greta Thunberg. I wish I could have seen her. But what was so powerful observing her from afar is that Greta had no regulatory authority at all. Yet she arguably has had more influence and impact than anyone in the last hundred years in terms of this particular issue. So are any of us going to be Greta Thunberg? No. <laughs> we'll sort of exist in her shadow. Um, but I do think, I think of Martha Norbeck who'd said that there's a community in Sweden through social marketing reduce climate gases and emissions by 20%. So if it comes down to hiring a professional marketing firm um, in terms of little things that people can do, I think we should do that. And, and look at those voluntary actions, because I think ultimately, I think maybe even Jeff or Bruce has said this, it is, and Susan said it, a cultural shift is going to have to take place, where people are gonna have to voluntarily change their day-to-day -day habits. So I was very impressed. I think anyone that looks at this report that does not think we're taking it seriously isn't reading the report, although we'll still continue those dissenting voices to make sure that they're keeping to push us and help us to do better. Um, but I'm really excited about it, and I think we're definitely on the right track, both in terms of funding and the infrastructure. Jeff, with regard to um, Rockney's first point concerning solar installations on municipal buildings, where do we stand on the installations on the public works facility and then next to True Bud Park, or True Bud Lodge? Hi, Ron. Uh, Ron Chinaki, Public Works Director. Uh, we are in the process of working with Newman Munson and um, developing the plan uh, for the purchasing. We'll be looking at a, um, a, a purchase agreement on those solar panels um, since we don't have the expertise on maintaining them. Mm -hmm. um, the, we, right now it looks like we'll split that purchase, uh, the, the process, Public Works, 
um, is a little more straightforward because the, the panels will be mounted on the roof. Um, the Terry Trueblood uh, installation is a little bit more complicated um, just of trying to fit the, the location with those panels, uh, with that, uh, with the lodge piece. Great, thanks. thanks. They're both they're both fully funded, and you know we expect them to um, to move forward in the early part of 2020. So it, it's in process. As Ron was saying, the Terry Trueblood's a little bit more difficult. We're a little bit more concerned with the aesthetics there, and you're, you're, we're going to have some ground-mounted um, solar as well. So we're trying to think about how that can kind of be an artistic piece in that park, and and not. If you remember when we did the feasibility study, it was focused on kind of carports over the parking lot. And we just thought if we can generate that in a little bit more artistic way that would blend in with the facility, it would probably be better. Uh, so that one's taken a little bit more thought. And I think just uh, one more add along to a Cole's sta first statement about um, physical infrastructure. Uh, I would like to see more emphasis on adapting larger apartment buildings or other multifamily residential buildings, uh, especially in regards to recycling and composting. Uh, I know there's a lot of UI students that want to do those, but they live in these apartment buildings um, in you know, like the first 10 blocks away from the Pentecrest, and they don't have that option. That um, there's in the <clears throat> most recent renters got, I think still at least a third of respondents said that no recycling was offered at their apartment in violation of city code. Um, composting isn't an option for most people, and if they don't have a car, then they just have to throw away all their food waste or um, do something like they have to tag along with a friend or like go out of the way to um, take take care of their composting. So um, I would like to see those become available to people who live in those apartment buildings as uh, most students do. Any other comments from council members? Well, I'll just add a few thoughts. Um, you know, we are responding to the climate crisis, so that's kind of the driver in this thing. And it is, um, you know, it, it is truly, we're trying to avoid a catastrophe. I mean, it's that's why we declared the crisis. On the more positive side, the way I, I, I like to view this is, is essentially an acceleration of our strategic plan. It's in many respects just putting a much stronger emphasis on achieving the goals of our strategic plan in terms of equity and uh, sustainability. And, you know, Rockney, building on your, your notion of this being, how do we make this program more visible? You know, in my, another way I've been looking at it as this as is, it's, it should, as we, you know, achieve these, these goals, the experience of being in Iowa City should feel very different. It, the air will be cleaner. The land will be cleaner. It should be quieter. <laughs> you know, those electric buses, uh, you know, going from, you know, single occupants at your automobiles to walking, bicycling, and transit, especially on electric buses, that will change the feel of this place dramatically. Uh, it will make it a more convivial place. So, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, I, I find this a very strange experience in that, you know, the, the catastrophic threat is truly, uh, you know, scary to really, to try to, to understand that. On the other hand, the, the benefits of doing this are transformative. So it's sort of like mobilizing for avoiding the catastrophe, but the transformational aspects of it are, are truly extraordinary. No one else? I'll just say a few words. Bravo to the staff for 
busting their asses, sorry, public, for the past 100 days to do exactly what we asked you to do. You've come up with a really impressive report that goes into actually substantial detail about how we can accomplish our goals, not just in terms of sort of the or technical and regulatory and, and economic incentives part, but also staffing and funding and, and, and the like, and the equity component, which is really crucial as well. So I'm really impressed with that. And uh, so uh, big, huge kudos have to go to Ashley and to Brenda and all the other staff that work with you, because I don't know who exactly did what. But uh, I, I know it was not easy, and you've done great. Yeah, so bravo to you. Anybody else need to say anything? All right. Yippee. So we can move on. Okay. And I think that means we're going to move to clarification of agenda items. In the consent calendar, I'd like to see item 7C pulled out for discussion. It's uh, okay. the personnel policies update. I really second that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't need to be seconded, but so you want to pull item pull seven C out. Right. I've got one comment on seven C as well. Um, we're recommending that you, when you move adoption of that, that you remove section seven point eight, which is entitled employee response to firearms. Um, on reflection, I think that's a safety policy. It doesn't really belong in the personnel policies and mm -hmm. shouldn't be tied to discipline. Um, and in addition, the landscape of what kind of regulatory authority we have over firearms is changing all the time in terms, and we expect additional legislation at the state level. So I think we can just take it out of the personnel policy. Eleanor, would you please repeat the uh, the item number? I, I know it's yep, 7C. It's 7C, but, the same yeah, one but, that but um, Pauline was talking about, and the removal of Section 7.8. Section 7.8. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Any other agenda items? Um, in correspondence, item 9K, I just had a question about that, whether there was anyone on staff that you know of, Jeff, that's currently uh, working together with maybe the harm reduction uh, group or would be interested in, in doing something like that because I've, I've gone to some of their meetings and would certainly be interested in helping yeah. with that. So we, we've funded that organization through our um, social justice and racial equity grants, so we, we are familiar. Um, the police chief uh, is also is also very familiar with that organization, and and uh, Chief Matherly has reached out to Sarah uh, to have more discussion on what a municipal drug strategy or plan would be. And I think until we really understand what it is they're advocating for, it's hard for us to kind of come back to Good. you with recommendation on whether to pursue that or not. So those That's conversations are taking place. About the chief. Okay. Anything else? Okay, let's move on to the info packet discussion, November the 7th. Item IP3, I see people are still drinking beer. 
<laughs> Never mind. It's a bar check report. <laughs> we can move on. IP, IP2, I did find interesting. Um, uh, a quote I'd like to read was, when adults, when adults make decisions, they should think about how their decisions affect children. Uh, it's kind of, a, I think, a, a useful perspective of, you know, if, if the children of, of our community are doing well, the community will probably be doing well. Mm -hmm. So more broadly, John, Andrea Cohen, on behalf of the Iowa chapter of the United Nations Association, asked us to make certain commitments. And I don't know if you all had a chance to read that. I don't know what you think, whether you, you, you want to make certain commitments to promote, protect, and realize the rights of the child in celebration of the 30th anniversary of the Convention on the Rights of the Child. So I don't know if we have to discuss that tonight, but we're being asked to do that. Yeah, I thought it was, um, I'm happy to move forward with doing something. I don't, I don't think that we can do it in this venue, in yeah. this immediate time. I mean, her what, why, how, when, who, I think would really take some time to mm -hmm. kind of think about and how it, how's the best way to relate that to city policy, city action, et cetera. I agree. So what, what do you suggest we do? Our human rights office is already looking into it. I think you could probably Perfect. count on them to come up with something unless you, you know, unless you want to come up with your own ideas, uh, Stephanie That's great. and Kristen and crew will handle it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> Surprise. Yes. Can we move to the November 14th packet? Yes. Mm -hmm. Have IB6? Yes. Johnson County Mobile Home Tax Force. Pauline and I are rocking on that tax force, and I guess all of us can do. But I, I just want to know, like, when, when they give us this report, what our next step as a council? I was going to bring that up. So I was very much hoping that, as everyone knows, I got one month left, if it's possible um, to do at least a work session on this. One of the things that was really wonderful about this task force is we had the city of North Liberty, we had Coralville, we had Johnson County, obviously the city of Iowa City, and we completely fully acknowledge that um, it's a regional issue, but at the same time, um, each individual entity has their own needs, their own experience with mobile homes. And so one of the things I think we are really hoping we're doing is we have this very substantive report is to have some time, and it probably won't just take one work session, but maybe a couple or even more than that, that we would sort of update where we are as a community in terms of policies and how we can be proactive in terms of our mobile home policy, whether there's anything prospectively into the future we can do. Um, one of the things that generated this was, of course, people know that we've seen a lot of outside entities bidding upwards of two times the assessed market value of these properties. So, and it's happening very frequently. Um, and so I really hope that we can get support for a work session, have a, a more extended conversation on that. And uh, if possible, I'd like to do it in month of December if possible, but uh, certainly it's something the council should, I think, evaluate. I, I, I 
would echo uh, what they've said. Uh, I, I hope you had a chance to actually read through the recommendations and also especially right in the beginning to see the list of members that were on the task force. Uh, it's a nice mix of individuals uh, with an interest in the well-being of, of uh, folks, uh, residents of mobile homes. Um, especially pleased that Senator Zach Walls has been a part of our ongoing discussions uh, because he's been seeking legislation for the last couple years. Uh, it's, it's depressing to know that uh, Iowa was one of just a few states that, that have very marginal protections for, for marble home residents. Very, very depressing to see that data. And he's been seeking legislation on that state level to, to provide better protection uh, for these individuals uh, as far as like eviction notice and, and rent, rent increase uh, notices. Uh, so that's that's very important. Uh, I would add to Rockne, of course we can talk about it in a, in a work session, but uh, other municipalities, as you can see from the um, members, were included, North mm -hmm. Liberty and Coralville. And so I would suggest that it be placed on a joint entities meeting so that we can discuss yeah. it in, in whole, uh, as well as we should also encourage our lobbyists uh, to keep their ear to the ground and, yeah. and know that it's a priority of ours in the community uh, to watch for this and to um, encourage it mm -hmm. to be passed. Mm -hmm. So is there support for... Uh putting this topic on one of our last two work sessions of the year. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure what's... Do we have time? I'm yeah, not I sure. Don't know yeah, we don't have anything scheduled for either except your earlier discussion about houses into homes on December 17th. So we could put it on the third. Is that the first meeting? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The yeah. third. Well, uh, without objection, let's, sure. let's do that. Sure. Okay. Yep. Great. Yeah. Um, uh, who do you... Do you, do you want us to ask anybody to present or are you going to... Rockney or Mazda here, Pauline. Three you gonna, well, yeah, I think all you can, three of us can work on, you know, yes, discussing that. Okay, so perfect. Yep. And we have Sarah Barron, yes, Sarah Barron is who is, who's led our task force and has been very helpful in, in putting it job, all together. So yeah. hopefully, she'll be able to be uh, present at that. To come and present. So. Okay. Any <laughs> other? I'm sorry. Any other items on the, that particular uh, information packet? Uh, well, one thing I'd like to uh, discuss, and I guess it would fall under pending work session topics, and, and we have an item on our formal agenda that's, uh, you know, our response to the, the loss of our rental caps. And uh, so I, would, I would, would like to ask for your support to have a work session to discuss where that issue is so that... Um, um, can't we as a council have an understanding of what exactly is in place? You know, they're, they're, as, you, as you see in the formal agenda, there, there, there were a number of things done a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know if, I mean, I'd like a refresher as to kind of where we are with all of that. All the code amendments. All the code yeah. changes. Um, but the bottom line is I feel, I'm concerned that um, what, what may happen if we just simply approve this this change that's that's on our agenda and that's basically our response. Um, so I, I'd like to have a work session where we, we sort of consider this whole issue and uh, you know one one thought I'm having in terms of what might come out of that work session might be uh, scheduling a meeting in the community, kind of a good neighbor meeting where uh, that information it could be here doesn't have to be in 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 an actual neighborhood venue, but to to hear back from the residents because they too, I think, are in the dark on this. There, there is not any 
clear understanding of what's happening mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> yeah, what is We're happening. <laughs> I do wonder, um, will there be some staff? Um, so during tonight's presentation, the, the NDS staff will, will give you just some, some bullet point overviews on, on what we have done leading up to this point, because as, as you know, this has been an ongoing kind of chess game, for lack of a better term, uh, ever since the state took away the familial status. Okay, they did that, we put in the rental caps and did a number of things and now you know they took away the rental caps and, and we're back at it so we can give you that synopsis tonight very kind of again bullet points and then you know you can decide if, if you want to if you want to do more uh, the thing i would say is we don't have a whole lot of other options we feel good about what we've done and time will tell you know how the market responds to that but um, make no mistake about it the state has taken away a lot of our local control on this issue uh, so there's a suggestion that we put this on the pending work session list. Is there any objection to that? I do have a question. Is it to um, update council? Is it more for the community to really be either engaged in the conversation or because I felt well, like the, the thing is, was pretty. Yeah, I, you know, the, a work session as we typically as it's typically structured doesn't provide an opportunity for the for community comment, and I think that's important. So. You know, I, I would like to have the opportunity for the, the community to, to ask questions, to, to give their thoughts in terms of what's being proposed and whether that strategy is adequate. I, I guess I'd like to maybe come back to this after we go through this in the formal meeting and kind of sure. see what comes out of that and then decide what is the best way to move forward with something. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that sounds reasonable to me. That sounds yes. good to me. So as we get to that item, yeah. please remember yeah. to bring it up. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I don't, I'm sure John will. <laughs> one of us will. Oh, okay, we have like one minute and then we're gonna stop our work session. So with regard to the updates on assigned boards, commissions, and committees, we can do that at the end of the formal meeting when we're going through that kind of stuff. So are there any other items on this in this information packet you wanna mention? I'll mention IP number nine, the Citizens Police Academy. So there's an opportunity to enroll in that academy. Uh, you have to apply not later than Monday, January the 20th for the 2020 Academy. It's a great opportunity to learn about the Iowa City Police Department, what they do, what challenges they face, and that kind of thing. So, yes. yeah. Very nice. I went to that one. I encourage everyone to go. Yeah, it's nice. Anything else? That's it. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't hear anything else, so we're going to put an end to this particular work session and reconvene at 7 for the formal meeting.